I want to begin this morning and tell you about a young woman, about 20 years old, that waited in line to sit on Santa's lap and ask for a Christmas present. As she got to her turn, Santa looked at her and said, Ma'am, we usually don't let adults sit on Santa's lap. What's your, what's your deal here? And she said, Well, uh, I, I'm actually here to ask for a present for somebody else. And Santa said, Well, if it's for somebody else, we'll do it then. Go ahead and sit on my lap. And the young lady said, well, he said, who would you like a gift for? She said, my mother. And he said, well, what does your mother want? She said, a (laughs) son-in-law. So somewhere in there, I think there's a bit of selfishness on the part of that young lady. And, you know, uh, we we can get that way. We can get kind of selfish, especially at Christmas time, and miss the whole point of what Christmas is all about. And certainly we don't want to be selfish because it's a time of giving, but it's a time when God gave us a very special gift. You know, there's gift giving talked about in the Bible. If you go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, there's the story of the wise men. And it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, he was very worthy to receive those gifts. But sometimes I wonder if we forget about, at Christmas, what God has so graciously given us. You see, God turned giving upside down. God is always worthy of whatever we give to Him. But He gave us this special gift at Christmas time. And this gift is so significant that we don't need to let that slip away even as we pass through Christmas. It exceeds anything we could ever hope for. And I hope that we don't miss the joy of what that gift means that he gives us. It far exceeds anything imaginable. We've been doing this series called Upside Down Christmas. And as we close out today... I want you to think about the gift that we got at Christmas that God gave us. So the question I raise is, why is the gift of Christ so significant? You know, the gift that God gave us was a person. It wasn't a toy. It wasn't a gift card. It wasn't a golf club or a bicycle or a day at the spa or a new car. It was a person in the flesh, a person who came to change our world, and he did just that. Today we're going to look at several verses from the book of Romans. Now the book of Romans stands out as a book about grace, and we know we could all use a little grace. You know what the word grace means? It actually means favor, and God has poured out his favor on us by giving us this gift at Christmas time. Romans, of course, is written by the Apostle Paul, and he spells out so clearly how God gave us this grace in His Son, Jesus Christ. And that favor that God poured out on us, that's good news. It's good news that God gave us His Son, as John talked about, who is our Savior. And so we're going to look in Romans today. And the first verse that I want you to look at is Romans 3.23. All have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. Now, some are saying, well, you said you was going to talk about good news. Well, that's not so good news, is it? You know, in order to get good news, you've got to have bad news. Otherwise, it's just news. Good news and bad news have to contrast each other. But what I want you to see first is that all sin is a failure to live up to God's standard for life. God created us. And there's a certain standard that he desires that we live up to in our lives. You know, a lot of people think sin is, is just these huge, ugly, bad deeds that people do. The, the greedy people, the murderous, the thieving people. That's what sin is. But sin is so much more than that. And it's so much less than that. You know, anything we do that is outside the will of God is a sin. And in doing that, we fall short of the glory of God. You know what's interesting in my study, and as I've grown, I've come to realize more that we don't quit sinning by trying to sin less. You know how we quit sinning? By trying to love more. You think about what Jesus taught us when he came to earth, and he said, the whole law, all the rules that God laid out for people, were based on two main commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said the whole law is based on love. And if we want to fulfill God's law and be what God called us to be, we have to base our lives on the love that God gave us. Now that love, the love that God had, that's not the kind of love like uh, we think about a romantic love or we think about family kind of love or we think about friendship kind of love the love that God gave us is so much more than that the love that God gave us is a extreme care and concern and and a respect for people and a desire to want the best for others not a selfish desire that wants all the gifts for me but a desire that wants everybody to be blessed and that's the kind of God uh, love that God gave us. And anytime we fall short of that love, then we fall into what God calls sin. We, we become a sinner. At Christmas time, there's a lot of love that goes around, right? I mean, people are, seem to be a little more cheery. They say thank you. They say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and they smile. But there's also a lot of a lot of greed that goes on, isn't there? I mean, a lot of times you see people in, caught up in the hustle and the bustle, and they're trying to get theirs before everybody else gets, gets it, and, and, you know, they get a little pushy, and, and the roads are crowded, and the parking lots are crowded, and people are not being careful, and somebody might shake their fist at somebody who pulled out in front of them or stole their parking place. I heard about this one lady, she had been shopping all day, and she was trying to get on the elevator to go from the top of the mall to the bottom, and the elevator opened, and it was packed. And she said, I'm coming on this elevator. Y'all better tighten up. And she pushed her way in with all of her packages and bags and everything, and she was exhausted and tired and elbowing people and stepping on toes. And, and finally, the elevator doors shut, and she's just let out a sigh, and she said, whoever invented this Christmas thing ought to be shot. 
And from the back of the elevator, this guy said, don't worry, ma'am, they already crucified him. And you know, we laugh at that, but that, that kind of lets you know, doesn't it? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now, that verse may be bad news, Romans 3.23, but Romans 6.23, well, it starts out bad, but it's got some good news in it. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, what I want you to think about is that the payment for sin is death, but God offers a gift to satisfy the cost. You see, we've got to think about this. This is why the gift of Jesus is so important. Because if, if all have sinned, and the payment for sin is death, then all die, right? That is without God coming into the picture. But God loved us so much that he gave us his son to bring forgiveness for our sins. And in his son, we, we have a way that we can wipe out that sin debt that we owed. You know, we've talked through this series about how upside down it is what God did at Christmas. God came out of heaven down to earth. God came into darkness to be light. And God came the righteous for the unrighteous. He came to save us. And he did it willingly and joyfully he came down to earth to be our Savior. And let's face it, we all need a Savior. We've all messed up sometime in our life. And we all will again. You know, the Bible refers to us as sheep. You ever wonder about that? Of course, Jesus was the ultimate lamb to be sacrificed. But when, when the Hebrew people thought about sheep, they thought about these animals that were prone to wander off. That's why maybe God refers to us as sheep. Because sheep are prone to wander. Shepherds trying to lead them, trying to take care of them. But they will wander off and get in trouble. We have a video here I want to show you this morning. Maybe you've seen this. About a sheep that wandered. And they were digging a trench beside the road. And this sheep just so happened to fall in the ditch. But he was saved. The sheep got saved. Guess what happened to the sheep? All we like sheep have gone astray. And we've gone astray. And we've gone astray. And we need a Savior. And thank goodness, Jesus came to be that Savior. To bring forgiveness for past sins, for present sins for future sins, for all that would place their faith in him. But some may ask, you know, how do we get this gift of salvation? How do we receive the gift of Jesus and his grace and his, his forgiveness? Well, just like any gift, you have to receive it. You have to open it. You have to commit to it. And we make a commitment to Christ by faith. 
Listen to Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So I want you to think here today, through our commitment to Christ in baptism, we die to the old self and are raised to a new life in Christ. You know, the old self lives by the sin nature. We're all born with this sin nature. We inherited that, the Bible says, from Adam. And so we, are, we have this propensity to stray like a sheep. But as a new creation in Christ, we are different. And because of our love for God and our love for Christ Jesus, we strive to please Him and honor Him and bring glory to Him. And so when we come to Him in faith, He says, I want you to repent and I want you to be baptized. And repent means that you tell him your story. You know, you've been trying to live life your way, and now you're going to live life his way. And so you turn to him. And then he says to be baptized. And look at what this text tells us about baptism. It says, in baptism, we are buried with him. That is, we're dying to that old self. We're buried in a watery grave. And... It says we are raised to a new life. So we die with him, we're buried with him, and then we're raised to a new life. 1 Peter 3.21 says, This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. And when we commit to him in baptism, we're saying, I'm yours, Jesus. I'm dying to the old. I'm, I'm being buried with you, and now I'm being raised in this new life. And Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God sends His Spirit to indwell us and to help us live that life of love that God has called us to, love for Him and love for other people. God begins to work on the inside out, and he will continuously work in our lives until uh, the end of our earthly life. It's called spiritual growth, and it's because the Holy Spirit works with our spirit to help us grow and become more of what God wants us to be. I heard about a little child that watched a baptism and, and watched intently as little three, four-year-old boy standing up in the pew. And the preacher took the man and put him down in the water and brought him up. And the little boy said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, why is he pushing that guy under the water? And dad said, well, it's, it's symbolic. He said uh, he's made a commitment to Christ, and now it's, it's symbolic of the water washing his sins away. And the little boy said, Dad, if he's sin, why didn't the preacher just spank him? And you know, maybe sometimes God ought to spank us. The Bible does say he disciplines us. 
But no, he did more than that. He invited us to come to his son, to die with his son, the old self, to be buried with his son, and to be raised to walk in a newness of life. If we look at one more verse out of Romans, Romans 6.13, it says, Do not offer yourself to sin as an instrument of, right, of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. There's the title of our sermon. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You see, we have been brought by Jesus from death to life to live eternally with God. Here's our connection. The gift of Christ is significant because through faith in him, we offer ourselves to God and we move from death to life. And we have a promise from God. And the promise from God is that this little baby that I sent at Christmas time is the same baby that grew up to be our sacrifice at Easter time. He's Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior. And I wanted to close out this year with a clear presentation of the gospel and what we can do to find that Savior and receive the gift that God has given us. And not only should we remember that God gave us a gift, but he wants us to be a gift to others. He wants us to love him. He loved us enough to send a gift. He wants us to love him back, but he wants us to give the gift to other people as we go out into this world. Let's not let the gift giving stop with yesterday. Let's carry on the gift. And there's one more verse that we'll look at in Romans. It's chapter 12, first two verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you know, if we commit our lives to Him and receive the gift of Jesus, then there's going to be a transformation that will take place in our lives as we go forward. And we can, just as God turned giving upside down and gave himself, we can turn giving upside down and give to other people. We can be the gift that keeps on giving. You know, when there's a, uh, an ancient ruler in Spain back in the 10th century, his name was Abd al-Rahman III. And he had everything a man could ever want. This is what he said about his life. I now have reigned above 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, dreaded by my enemies, respected by my, by my allies. Riches and honors, power and pleasure have waited on my call. Nor does any earthly blessing appear to have been wanting in my life. He had everything he could ever want at his beckoning call. 
But he wrote something else. He said, the days of joy in my 50 years, I have numbered, and they have been 14. Out of all his 50 years, he only found true joy in 14 days. Somebody wrote about that and said the reason why he missed the joy of life is because he used people and loved things. He used people and he loved things. Let's turn that upside down. God did. Because God loved people and used things. He used the cross to bring Jesus to show us how much he loved us and to bring salvation into our lives. And if we will turn it upside down and love people and use things, we can find that we can go out and help other people come to know the love and the saving grace of Jesus, our gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his love. We thank you for the wonderful gift that you gave us at Christmas time. And we pray now that we will continue as we go about our lives to love, to strive to, to show love to you. And Lord, that help us to know that we don't overcome sin by trying harder, but by trying to love you more and to show that love to other people as we go about our lives. So be with us, Father, as we go into this new year to use us to be people who love people and use things and turn the world upside down. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.